0: Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob.
1: Uh, at that second knockdown, uh, I was still, you know, how many hands you got? How many hands I have? Yep. Exactly right. So I was still leery, you know, you know, the, uh, Eddie Muhammad, like, you know, uh, schooling, blah, blah, blah. He's going to hurt you at some point. Like, you know, that was here. Right. And if, if you watch that t- again, as I, as I approached Tommy for the third knockdown, my right hands right here, because there's no way in the world this guy's going to hit me with that left hook.
2: Folks, when I finished my 100 miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, And it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's D-R-B and the number 20. Livemomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. So, our guest today was a four time New York Golden Gloves champ, one of the most decorated amateur boxers in the United States, bronze medal at the gold Will Games and Pan Am Games, second at Olympic trials. He was also a WBO heavyweight champion, beating Tommy Morrison in 1993. Our guest wrote a fantastic piece called Anatomy of a Knockout. He starred in numerous films and TV episodes, including Million Dollar Baby, and played Sonny Liston in the film Ali. He also has directed an off-Broadway play, Kid Shamrock, and he stars in the Netflix docu-series Losers, our guest, Michael Bent. Champ, thanks so much for joining us, man
1: that's a beautiful introduction man thank you how you doing
2: so i gotta start with this right so everyone kind of has like a covid story in covid you get you got stranded in vermont my man
1: oh yeah i was well i'm up in vermont right now with my partner. and um so we were up here i think i got up here a day or two before the official covid you know onslaught but um I think I had COVID before I came up here. I was not feeling well, blah blah blah, and I got up here in Vermont, and boom, nothing, you know. But um, yeah, we spent like maybe like ninety days up here. Okay. You know, uh, talk about Jack Torrance from The Shining. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, good reference, no. man. Everyone gets that one. It
1: was all good though, man. It was all good. It
2: was yeah, pleasant. at least. You know, at least it wasn't yeah. December though. It dipped, exactly. Yeah, you
1: know, mountains and trees and mountains right. and. And people, you know, pleasant people, yeah,
2: yeah. It was a pleasure. So, uh, Roberto Duran, one of your favorite fighters growing up. Why, yes. wh- what was about him? That what was about him that you loved?
1: You know, um, it's a good question. Um, I think looking back at it um, as a youngster, when you watched Duran or those guys in the, in their prime fight, um, I think Duran was one of the only honest boxer from that day. You know, uh, when he quit against Sugar Ray Leonard, no Moss, you know, we may not like that, but that's honest. I'm not fighting this guy because, like, this guy's running from me. And I get it. I get it. You know, Ray Leonard, like, you know, who was one of my sponsors as an amateur, like, you know, um, he uh, outbrained. Uh, on, in that fight, he... Outsmarted Duran and Duran didn't have the mechanism at that time to cope with that. They said, you know what? Okay, I'm leaving. You know, and he took anyway.
2: that rematch, though. Sorry, he took that rematch pretty fast. I mean, he was a guy that would let go Man. after. Him.
1: That's right. And Ray his people knew that, like, you know, Duran, after a fight, he blows up like four or yeah. five weight classes. And Ray was smart, though, you know, because Ray was like, you know, had a brilliant manager, Mike Trainer from D.C. He was a lawyer. And they said, you know what, let's 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 lobby for this fight before, like, you know, Durant can get in shape properly. Yep. Cut to no mas. <laughs>
2: exactly, <laughs> man. You know, yes. So let's, let's get to you, champ. I mean, growing up, your dad put you in boxing. You and, you and, your, you and your brother were good. I mean, but you spoke about being your dad's trophy. I'm wondering if you can kind of go back and start us at those young times when you first started boxing and, you know, you talked about his dad being your trophy kind of, he dominated you instead of like coaching you.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so my, my mom and dad are both Jamaican immigrants. They were born in Jamaica and they moved to immigrated to, um, London and I was born in London. I came over here in 72. And, um, I always, like, had a sense that my father um, wanted, um, you know, we would watch, like, fights together. And as a young person, you never understood, like, you know, why these two guys are hitting each other. But, like, you know, my father um, always would say, like, you know, that's what you're going to do. Indirectly or, you know, subtextually, he would, like, say, like, you oh, know, that's what you're going to do. And, um, you know, every, cl- every kid wants to please his dad, right? And I was, I was all for it. And when I was like nine or 10 years old, we went to a boxing gym uh, that was in stone, uh, a stone throw from, um, within a stone's throw from uh, Chase Stadium. And box, like baseball, that was my sport. And my father like, you know, would, t- would take me over there where I would get picked up by the coach. And uh, when I would run during like, you know, doing our boxing exercises, running, I was sometimes like, I was sneaking going to Shea Stadium when it was closed. Nice. Um, Remember one day, this guy, he was like the maybe the janitor or the supervisor. He let me in the stadium. Yeah. That was the first time I ever experienced like, you know, being in Shea Stadium. I was like 10 years old and it like, holy, this is like, it's like a, a monument, man. Right. So, you know, I couldn't tell my father about that because he was anti, you know, baseball at that time. He liked baseball, but like you know, the fact that I wanted to be a baseball player, he was anti, you know, baseball. I remember like when I quit boxing as a 10 year old, I came home, you know, he gave me a, a nice talking to, you know, physically. Uh, and a few weeks later, I asked him um, if I could join the baseball team and he shot me a look. I said, don't you ever ask me that again, subtextually. And, uh, you know, so I, so I, um, I, uh, I hit my uh, baseball, um, you know, aspirations from my father because, I, you know, I knew he would get upset if I mentioned it. But I returned to boxing. I'm sorry, like uh, I returned to boxing at the age of 15 when uh, I had a, a dear friend who was a mentor to me when I was training, you know, as a 9, 10 year ten-year-old, and he died in a plane crash with the USA boxing team. Um, his name was George Pimentel, hmm. and I was like, I was a chronic truant. Uh, oh, I was, I was a, a chronic truant. Sorry, and I would cut class. And one day, like, and I cut to class, and my brother had a paper out, and I grabbed the newspaper, and the headline says, like, you know, USA boxing team perishes on approach to uh, airport, in in Poland, you know, I didn't care. You know, it's not my business. I go upstairs, start watching TV, and I grab a newspaper and flip the, the paper open. And there was a picture of my first mentor, George Pimentel. You know, I'm, 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 I'm crying, man. And like, you know, and at that moment, I decided that I was going to box again for George because he was the only one who inspired me. He was the only one who spoke my language and inspired me and loved me for the way that I wanted to be loved. My father couldn't. Yeah. But he thought, my dad thought, that like, you know, me getting back into boxing was to, um, uh, um, was to please him. But no, you know, it wasn't that.
0: Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated. Then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment.
2: Right. So if it's okay, Champ, can you tell us, like, go back to that that 10-year-old kid, I mean, and, and walk us through that situation when you told your dad you're done. And, and kind of unpack what happened. And what does that do to you as a kid?
1: Okay, so at 10 years old, um, I remember uh, vividly uh, going home. Now, cut school that day. I just had a sense of like something was going to happen that day. And I'm in what, the fifth grade, I think? Yeah, had a fifth grade teacher. And she got my ass, like, the next day, I, like, you know, came back from cutting school. But, like, you know, that day I cut school and um, I had this feeling of, 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 you know, I couldn't articulate it then, but, like, you know, I had this profound feeling of, like, you know, uh, uh, discomfort. And uh, when I went home and told my father, uh, it, uh, um... I don't want to box anymore. Rage um, was the only thing that I experienced post that, like, you know, me making that uh, um, statement uh, to my father about boxing. And uh, he he, uh, um, walked to the uh, TV, which had, like, you know, in those days, like, you know, rabbit ear antennas, and he snapped it off and he went to work on me and uh i remember like you know specifically man maybe it's about two weeks after that you know i thought yeah maybe you forgot about the fact that i didn't want a box and i'm in the refrigerator uh hey no i'm short so i open it and I close it, and he's standing right there, and he slaps me and walks away. Okay, so you know he he's he he's not he's not going to forget about that, and more importantly, like you know I've never forgot about that. Mm-hmm. You know I think the lesson there for me, you know, although my father was domestically abusive, blah blah blah. You know the guy, like you know he. Uh, didn't have an education. Um, he was like, you know, a functional illiterate. Functional, brilliant worker. Like, you know, if you like him, you know, he was a construction worker, and no one's gonna outwork my father, you know, on a construction site. But he had this Jekyll and Hyde, you know, Jekyll, Jekyll in in the Hyde thing. Um, you know, he would walk into a room. Handsome guy, and he would light the room up. Mm-hmm. But if he pissed him off or said something that pressed his buttons, you know, yeah, violence. And I think, like you know, to to I think I think in a lot of ways that's what um, made me such a success as an amateur boxer. Because once I found out how boxing could take me around the world and the different States without my father. I think subconsciously, like, you know, that's the way that I, um, frame that as an escape. That's like, that was your out. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always, always fascinated about like what trauma does, you know, to to a kid like that. Um, you know, I ask athletes and their parents yeah. that I work with their why, and I basically yeah. say your why has to make you cry. If it doesn't, it's not your why. It's not deep enough. It's not going to sustain it.
1: Damn, exactly.
2: And I've, and I've only come across one why coach yeah. that I think is negative. It's it's poisonous, and that is right. I'm good at it. Because now you're kind of stuck. You get entrapped, right? You're good at it. You get rewarded for it, the pats on the back, and you get some yeah. pride and self worth from it, right? Talk about your relationship, especially as you're getting older. What was your relationship with, with the sport and with
1: boxing? Uh, I was always conflicted by it. You know, um, uh, the managers I had, the trainers I had. You know, if I didn't connect with you on like a, a sailor level, I'm not, you know, I'm not disrespecting you. But like, you know, I'm not giving you the, the respect that like you, know, you should have, like, you know, as an elder who's trying to like, you know, give this kid some knowledge, one of the, you know, I've, it, you know, and I've been lucky in my life, you know, um, in the documentary, I speak about a, uh, a boxing trainer named Georgie Benton. And Georgie Benton was one of the greatest boxing minds that I've ever encountered. And I've encountered a whole bunch of people like who think they know about boxing, this guy, he got it down to a DNA, like, you know, level, uh, um, articulation and Georgie, um, I started training with Georgie uh, when I was sponsored by this um, uh, music producer um, slash boxing guy whose name was Shelly Finkel. And he's a big in boxing black uh, back in the days. I don't know if Shelly is, uh, is still involved in boxing. Like, you know, Shelly Finkel was one of the first people in boxing who not only recognized, recognized my talent, but, like, you know, I recognized him as a decent human being. And of course, like, you know, when you're 16, 17 years old and someone is sending your child off to these places, uh, you know, my father, he felt um inferior about that. Because, you know, my father always like, you know, had this ideal of like, you know, if someone's going to finance the rest of my son, I'm going to. But my father, like, you know, he wasn't a boxing person. Shelley was. And you know, uh, my father never told me this, but like, and I could sense the, uh, the, um, the uh, you know, the, the sandpaper of resentment against Shelly Finkel when it came to my father. You know, my father, like, you know, didn't like Shelly. Um, and like, you know, and I adore Shelly Finkel. You know, um, if you're not that familiar with Shelly Finkel, uh, of course, you know, Mark Breland, right? I don't, coach. Shelly sponsored Mark Breland. And was also Mark Breland's manager uh, as a professional, and uh, so Mark one day Mark Breland introduced me to Shelly uh, Finkel, and like once again, I adored Shelley Finkel. I liked the way he like he thought, like he, he thinked. Um, He was a very sensitive man. He was a very sweet man, um, and he's dealing with this like you know in this in this, in this atmosphere in this sport, like you know, it's a killer sport, and he was anti that to me. That's why, like, you know, I bet you find that if you're super sensitive, in my estimation, man, it's like, you know, well, the way that I found that, that I was super sensitive was by getting uh, introduced to the arts, you know, um, and that, poof, you know, you can't be like, you know, you're allowed to be sensitive, but boxing and some coaches, you know, they, they like, you know, um, um, they frown upon a man's uh, sensitivity Mm -hmm. and you know I'm not gonna just like you know highlight Jamaica but like you know you know throughout the world Italians Greek you know some of my best friends like you know were were Greek guys and Italian guys and Irish cats um, at the school I went to in New York Aviation High School and like you know they had the same kind of problem I had with my father I'm sure yeah yeah yeah
2: Champ, you're progressing through your amateur career and the opportunity to turn pro. Yeah. You are turn pro, you're training with Emmanuel Stewart at the time. Is that right? You know your stuff. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. Hey, just just like you watched film on Tommy Morrison, which we'll get to. I try to watch as much film as I can. I always think it's preparation. But you yes. turn into pro under uh train in Detroit with Emanuel Stewart, and then you have your pro debut. Yes. And so those that have not watched, obviously, the documentary, walk us through how this didn't go quite according to plan.
1: <laughs> That's an understatement, my man. <laughs> no. OK, so like um, let me walk you through the, uh, the Emmanuel Stewart um, connection. Uh, I was on a plane. Uh, with Frankie Lyles. Frankie Lyles and I were good friends, and Frankie lost to Roy Jones in the uh, U.S. Uh, nineteen eighty-eight Olympic trials. So yeah. we lost. I lost a Muster, of course. So we're flying back to like New York from from um Vegas, and you know I'm depressed. I don't know if Frankie was depressed. I was like depressed as hell. I like, can you know. I didn't know what depression was at that point. It's so, like you know, uh, you know, Frankie hey, champ.
2: and uh, I don't mean I don't mean to interrupt. Was there a controversy about that? about that, that fight with, uh, with Ray
1: Mercer. You know what? Um, full respect to Ray, which is why I like, you know, I love Ray Mercer. Yeah. He and I speak every couple months, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of, one of the, um, well, a year ago, two years ago, I think Ray had watched a documentary and, uh, I uh, got us from um, a fighter named Al Cole, who was good friends with Ray. I said, like, let me, like, you know, like, be Ray's number. You know, all the fighters that I've, um, I've had conflict with or lost to, they're some of my best friends to this day. I love her, like, I, I'm in contact with her behind, not as much I am as I am with Ray, but, like, you know, I'm in contact with, uh, with, um, a fighter, um, who I had, like, you know, conflict with in the Golden Gloves, uh, Ike Padilla. But like, you know, today, like, you know, I mean, those are my brothers. So, so speaking of Ray, uh, you know, via phone. And, uh, you know, um, um, it's a three-way with um, me, Al Cole, and Ray. And Al mentions the 1988, you know, uh, you know Olympic trials. Ray says, um, you know, Mike, uh, the, uh, the first fight, uh, we fought in the box hall. And he said, you know, you beat me in that fight. And, you know, boxers don't admit that kind of, you know, um, right. loss. It's so much pride, but like, you know, Ray Mercer, like, you know, said to me, like, you know what, I should have fought you again in the, in the box hall because you beat me that first fight. And I, whoa, that's, that's, that's him, man. Like, you know, it was a beautiful moment for me, you know. And I'm sure it was like, you know, this uh, is equally as a, a beautiful moment for Ray, because boxers don't say that to each other, right right you know but like you know and, and, uh, and uh, when I uh, fought Tommy Morrison one uh, the first person one of the first people that uh, I heard from was Ray Morrison mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I think I saw Ray Morrison in Vegas and the dude was just like, you know, he just like you know, you know, when you look in the person's eyes, you can tell whether they're bullshitting you or not. This guy was as sincere, as sincere was like, you know, as 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 me holding my son, like, you know, when he was born, and he gave me a hug. He said, You got it. You did Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah.
2: So you're on you're on the plane, you're flying back. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I I, t- I took you down that path. So I appreciate <laughs> it. I, it's my job to bring us back.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to play with Frankie Lyles, who's from Syracuse, and, um, and Frankie says, uh, you know, if you want to talk to Emmanuel Stewart about turning pro, you know, I can facilitate that for you. And the furthest thing was, f- the furthest thing from my, you know, from my um, thought was like, you know, signing with anybody. You know, I wanted to like, you know, I achieved my amateur boxing thing by like getting away from my father. I just figured like, you know, someone would offer me a scholarship and I'm off to college for like four years. That never happened. Or maybe like, you know, I didn't give it enough time to happen. Um, uh, Frankie did give my uh, um, contact number to Emmanuel Stewart, and maybe a week or so before, week or so after I returned from the Olympic trials, you know, uh, I can't remember in addition to that, my father was very upset that I didn't win the Olympic trials. And he was, uh, I got, you know, I, uh, I could sense, like, you know, this, this avalanche of resentment. And at some point, you know, he couldn't articulate, like, you know, what he was feeling. And at some point, I knew this, like, you know, subconsciously, maybe it's going to like, you know, be an explosion. Boom. Right. And, you know, might as well but, get out exactly right yeah. exactly. and something bad was going to happen you know because that, that's what happens in those kinds of uh, situations where when people suppress stuff we explode um so uh, I had a conversation with, with Emmanuel Stewart and uh, he flew down about a week or so after that conversation and he meets my father and my father's like was a big time like boxing junkie blah 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 and he was completely over the top you know, overwhelmed by like, you know, not overwhelmed, but like you know, excited that Emmanuel Stewart, who trained Tommy Hearns, is sitting at <laughs> his dining room table talking to someone about turning pro. He was super like psyched, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't want it to turn pro, but like, you know, if this guy's going to give me you know, a nice contract, I'll take the money and like, you know, like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll commit to Emmanuel. That's what I did. So cut to like, you know, I'm in uh, Detroit. I signed a contract with Emmanuel, and um, and uh, maybe, I mean, like, you know, this had nothing to do with, like, you know, me losing that fight to a Jerry Jones, what I'm about to tell you now. So, uh, one day I'm in Emmanuel's gym, Kronk, and Tommy Hurst walks in, right? And I'm, boom, you know, yeah. should I genuflect? <laughs> She's like, like, I'm like, this guy's God, right? Or a God. Yep. And Tommy says to me, Hey, yo, Mike, we ain't done training. Let's go play basketball. I'm like, holy shit, Tommy Hernandez is asking me to go play basketball with him. So obviously he knew like he knew who I was. So I'm like, great, Tommy. I don't play basketball. I'm a baseball guy. But like, you know, I didn't tell him that. So get to this basketball um court. I we're playing like, you know, five. Like full court, blah, blah, blah. And I go off for a rebound. I'm competent at basketball, but not great. Right. I go off for a rebound and come down on somebody's foot. Mm. Now, I don't know what, like, you know, I don't know if you like, you know, know or have had that experience, but like, you know, you come down on somebody's foot and they pull it away. My Achilles heel was bam. Holy shit. That that is the most extreme level of pain I've ever experienced, like physical pain. And um, Tommy Hearns, I'll never forget this man. Tommy Hearns, he recognized, like you know, that my my uh, Achilles tendon was like you know damaged. He picks me up, Tommy Hearns, wait, who weighs like weighing one fifty, maybe one sixty. He picks me up, and I'm like two ten, and walks me the entire length of the basketball court. Out the um out the uh, door, down these stairs, and he carries me into this like you know uh, ambulance. Like God damn, I don't know if Tommy remembers that, but I remember that. Wow, it's love, man. Yeah, he didn't have to do that. So like you know, so so, but I'm like you know, once again,
2: I, I uh, love that though. Uh, thank you.
1: Dude, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I'm not saying like you know that's why I lost a Jerry Jones because it's not. Jerry Jones like you know completely like you know um, I thought I had his number
2: right you go in with a narrative that this, this guy's here for me to come beat yes exactly and, but he had two hands and two fists so
1: right you know subconsciously I was thinking that but like you know Jerry Jones um, um, he, ch- he kind of like you know didn't read the script that thing <laughs> You know, and clocked him. You know, and I was legitimately—I was legitimately hurt. That was legitimate. I was—I was hurt. And uh, you know, um, I remember the the, uh, the referee of that fight it was this black referee from New Jersey. I forget his name. And uh, I remember I'm sitting on the uh, on the stool, <laughs> and he says to me, "Hey, uh, you know where you are?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm 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 in Atlantic City, right?" You got to know where I am, I think. I was out of it. That was a good stoppage. But like, you know, um, and I tell like, you know, I'm good friends with Jerry Jones. And I tell them this, like, you know, as I'll tell you this, if I didn't beat Jerry Jones, I'm not beating Tommy Morrison. Period. Because I had like, you know, I didn't have anything to prove. I would have nothing to prove. I had like, you know, 19 fights and 19 stoppages, blah, 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 19 knockouts. I'm not, I'm not beating Tommy Morrison. Right, You know, you know because um, uh, one more thing um, the, the thing like, you know, in boxing and in life you know, that uh, when you're so experienced as like, you know, an athlete or even an actor and there are moments where you peak and I think well, no, I know like, you know, that I had peaked as an amateur, but like, you know, when I signed the fight Tommy Morrison, I think I was like, you know, I had peaked emotionally and physically as a boxer. Like, you know, I had almost to prove that um, I kind of like, you know, uh, um, just threw the dice, man. Yeah. Yeah. So after the loss, you yeah. tell
2: Emmanuel Stewart, you're going home, going back to New York, you're going to be back. Yeah. And that and that delay turns into 22 months, which, yes. which now becomes the low point of your life. And I'm wondering if you could share with us a, about that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember the uh, specific conversation with Emmanuel. I told him that I was uh, going home to visit my mother for uh, Easter. I was in March. Right. I think Easter's is in March. Right. <laughs> or Something like that. March, April. Yeah. Changes. But yeah. 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 So I went home. Uh and uh once again, you know, I, I I uh I um I never returned. And I think I saw Emmanuel whew, He wouldn't even call me because I think Emmanuel got that like you know, I was overwhelmed uh with humiliation, with um self-doubt, uh lack of commitment you know, to that, like, particular sport um, in in that moment. And, like, you know, uh, we never spoke, but I think Emmanuel got it. And um, confirmation of that, maybe, like, four four or five years, seven years later, and I see Emmanuel there. And we have comments, like, you know, he pulls me aside, man. And he says, you know what, you know, you don't have to ever worry about me being resentful of you not coming back to me. I get it. You know, that's yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What was it like for you then? What was it like for you then at home? I mean, you had all these expectations, you got disappointment, you got the self doubt. I mean, it got, I mean, you had, you had to self-medicate, right?
1: Absolutely. And I didn't really like handle that in the best possible way at that time. Um, I was, I was, I wasn't a big drinker. I wouldn't, uh, uh, myself as an alcoholic, but if I had um, psychological counseling that would have like helped me you know um, uh, understand my demons uh, because at that time like I remember like you know, I bought this house uh, after I fought her behind no I, I bought a house and and this uh, vehicle man and um, the, the vehicle was a uh, an 850 bW right and I can remember. Uh, driving on the Pennsylvania highways and closing my eyes maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds just to see what would happen. But, like, you know, the subtext of that, I'm like, I'm trying to hurt myself, man, right? You know, and they like, and I, and, they, and I knew that, but like, you know, once again, I wasn't um, getting any kind of psychological help so. Um, I survived the bullet or bullets by um, by like, you know driving that car at that speed, my eyes closed. Yeah. Was that the, was that the time too,
2: there, champ? When um when you when you took the gun?
1: So that was um you no know, a couple of months before I put I my house um I put the gun uh, in my house when I was uh, visiting my brother, um Winston, and uh, don't ask me why he had gun but. <laughs> You know, everyone has guns in New York, and uh, uh, I happened to come. To, you know, I happened to find this gun. He was out. You know, he took a trip somewhere, so he left me there in his apartment. You know, uh, and I found the gun, and I was, um, yeah, I just put it in my mouth, and I wonder I wanted to stop the pain, but like you know, I couldn't. I couldn't, you know, and and uh, either, you know, I'm a coward or a fucking hero. I don't know. I think I'm a coward, you know, because I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not like you know, um, not to ab- advocating for suicide, but like you know, um, outside of suicide, um, the best thing that the best things that help me manage. Um, my depression was was um, writing. I'm just like, you know, dealing with these kind of drugs to like, you know, make the pain go away. Right. I'm not aware like, you know, that even though it makes the pain go away for a second or two, that pain is still like under the surface. For sure. Yeah. So, Champ, you've
2: got uh, an opportunity then to, to spar with Gary Mason, who's number five contender at that time. And you knew then deep down, like you still had something to prove to yourself. Uh, talk to us about that experience and what you learned from yourself, even just with,
1: with sparring with him. Okay. Um, so I got a football. The one who facilitated that uh, sparring part of the experience with, with Gary Mason was another sponsor of mine, Paul Fucalaro. So Paul and I became friends um, after my father ran off, you know. Um, um Shelly Finkel. Um uh you know, he didn't like, you know, physically run him off, but like, you know, I think Shelly sensed something that my father was overbearing. Right. You know what? I'm gonna pass on this kid. Which you know, which I get. It's business. Um and I met uh, this other sponsor, Paul Fucolaro, and he was a big boxing guy. And um and post um my knockout loss to, uh, Jerry Jones, you know, I'm, um, um, I'm in Queens, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to find myself. Um, and he calls me, Paul calls me and says, uh, I've got a, i got ai think I may have a gift. I'm like, okay, what's up? What it? And he said um, you'll be the chief sparring partner of the number five, um, heavyweight champion contender uh his name is Gary Mason and I was like not interested man <laughs> not interested uh and I know now why I say I, I wasn't interested you know I wasn't prepared I didn't want to face that kind of potential humiliation again you know in front of like 12 people or 50,000 people no I don't want do that again uh Um, and then Paul calls me again, I mean, he kept calling me, Paul's very (laughs) persistent, obviously. And, um, he called me and, uh, I think what made me, uh, say yes, was that, um, you know, for the better part of my whole life, uh, I've always been like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've always traveled. And, you know, um, you know, the actress, uh, Helen Marin, sure. Okay. Well, she has this, um, she has a great quote about actors and athletes, primarily actors, uh, that actors and athletes to a certain degree are rogues and vagabonds. And you know what? Yeah. Well, I'll embrace that. <laughs> I love that. You know, so, um, I, um, I told Paul, you know what, like, you know, let's, 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 uh, let's sign up for this, um, Gary Mason thing. And, uh, the camp was run by, uh, this, uh, gentleman named Mickey Duff. I'm sure. Met, yeah. The English, like, you know, empire of uh, emperor of like, you know, English boxing at that time. And so Mickey Duff was, uh, was Gary Mason's manager and trainer. And, uh, so I started with, uh, so I started with Gary and I'm not overwhelming him, but like, you know, I'm handling him. And Gary's maybe like 20 pounds more than I weigh. When we spar, do you take it easy on me? And he starts laughing. I'm like, oh, you sure? okay. Okay. He doesn't take it easy on me. Okay. So like, you know, that's when I realized that like, you know, that, that I had, that I still have something to, uh, to offer, mm-hmm. you know, um, if not to, if not to offer, I mean, if not to offer, um, I still have something to prove to myself. And um, those sparring sessions with Gary Mason and, uh, like and Alex Stewart. I start with Alex as well when he was down there at that camp. Uh, and um, a few, maybe a year or so later, I got recruited. Well, I got um, hired as a, a sparring partner for a band of Holyfield. This is after this is this was for the uh, the Evander's fight with uh, Larry Holmes because uh, I'm not Larry Holmes, but we have like you know similar approaches, jab, movement, blah blah blah, and uh, I went to
2: Which Larry should have been done fighting by that time, right?
1: Absolutely yes, yes. I mean like you know I mean it's not like it's not like he needed the money, right? Like you know Larry's done well for himself, but how much is enough money (laughs) now? So, um, i go down to that camp and um, I'm doing very well with Ivan, with, with very well with him. And that uh, some people in this management company, like, you know, wanted to get rid of me because, like, you know, I was doing too well. Because the job of a sparring partner isn't to, like, you know, make himself look good, it's to make the uh, champion look good. And uh, the one who saved him getting fired was Georgie Benton. Uh, I went on to hear that, like, you know, Georgie Benton said to uh, one of the dudes who ran that camp, uh, leave Michael Benton alone because he's the best work that the band gets. Right. You know.
2: And so you get the call about fighting for with Tommy Morrison. Mm-hmm. And before we even get into that, I mean, you're. Your fight with Mark Wills, I mean, did you have a broken hand going into that fight? I
1: did. Wow. Good research. Good research, yeah. Mark Wills had a uh, reputation as being a journeyman. You know, in my estimation, like, you know, Mark Wills was anywhere but that. was anything but that. Mark Wills was one of the chief spawn partners for Mark Tyson. And, um, you know, but like, you know, I think management... Is the only reason why Mark Wills wasn't or isn't a world champion um, because this guy had the had the goods. And so I was at that time. Um, my my manager had changed from uh, the English lawyer um, Mickey Duff uh, and that uh, and that you know group of people to Stan Hoffman. And are you familiar with Stan Hoffman? Yes, sir. Got gotcha, you, right, right. So Stan was like, Stan was my guy. And I trusted Stan. He spoke my language. And, um, and Stan tells me that um, we fight like, you know, maybe like, I had like maybe like two or three fights with Stan. And then um, Stan tells me that uh, we're going to be fighting um, Mark Wells. Oh, okay. I mean, I, Obviously, you know I knew who Mark Walls was. Like, okay, uh, this is going to be my ninth fight or tenth fight. I'm like, okay, mm, no questions. Uh, so I, you know, I signed off on the blah blah blah, and uh, the first round in that fight, I get clipped in my uh, right temple, and you know my knees buckle, and a voice says, "Not again." I, 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 on my son, some damn boy said, No, 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 not again. Referencing the Jerry Jones situation. Right. In that moment, like, you know, um, uh, it didn't like, you know, light a fire under me, but like, because I was already inspired, uh, but just like I woke up. Um, you know, put P's Q's boxes box his ears off, if you can. And uh, the fight was competitive, but um uh I think I think I uh I dug it out. And that led to the fight with Tommy Morrison. And we were doing like, you know, not to uh, prolong this um this um conversation about that particular fight, but uh Tommy and I were doing a, a press conference and you know Tommy has said something. Uh, regarding like you know my lack of 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 um uh, competition blah 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 and I said no my man check it out you're not fighting Mark Wills. <laughs> you're not fighting Mark Wills, my friend come on let's like, you know, let's be serious here mm-hmm. you know but, um, but like you know that's, 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 that's you know that's just fight of like ego nonsense
2: right so yeah. you're you you get ready to fight Tommy Morrison it's in Oklahoma it's in his home yeah. state yeah. got the home crowd going on. Yeah. And um, in your preparation for it, you talked about, you noticed he stopped breathing, which yeah. that came into play. Oh, before we actually like walk us through then that situation with that fight, because let me, let me lay it out for like the non-boxing fans that are here. Yeah. Tommy Morrison beats George Foreman early in the year. He's going to fight Lennox Lewis and you were the fight right before that.
1: You're, you're oh, just the was- point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fight before he fights Lennox, like, and I was a tune-up fight right. and I, uh, uh, I found this out, like, you know, years later, Tommy didn't have to take that fight. Tommy's manager, uh, Bill, uh, I forget Tommy's manager's name. Uh, Tommy's manager, like, you know, offered him a list of people and my name wasn't on that list. Uh. Uh, um, Tommy's manager was, was in a conversation with a guy named, uh, a sports writer named Mike Katz, who was a um, big time writer for daily news back in the days. And Mike like you know said like, you know, to um Tommy's manager, um, you know, give my guy a shot. His guy was me, Michael Ben. And um, uh, Tommy's manager, I forget his name, Bill something or another. Um, he, he said, like he you know he exited. But Tommy found out about the conversation, and he lobbied to fight me, because as an amateur, I was I was a big star, and uh, you know, we all want to get payback, you know, and uh, what we think was like you know an easy fight turned out not to be an easy fight, you know, um, because uh, once again, like you know, watching my uh, my trainer for that fight was Amistad Muhammad, and he was the one who told me. Um, who got like this? Um, he and Stan Hoffman got like you know stacks of tapes on time and I would watch those things like religion. You know, I would go back, rewind something. Okay, okay, this is when he's most dangerous, this is when he's most vulnerable. You know, when he's not hurt, he's dangerous. So it's like a, it was like walking on fire but like you know, I knew some like, one of the most um insightful pieces of boxing advice I ever got was that um, at some point, he's gonna hurt you. Now, the typical boxing trainer may not mention that because like, you know, he doesn't want to get his fighter like, you know, in an anxious space, but that's real shit, that happens. You know, I I would much rather be told that by my trainer before the fight. And in the corner.
2: Right. I was and like, I, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy, coach, he'd always say, we talked about all stressful situations and non-stressful environments because that's the time I think we need to talk about that stuff, man, right?
1: That's right. right. Jeff Van Jeff, Jeff Gundy. Yes. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And like, once again, like, you know, that was the first time, like, you know, boxing trainers don't typically talk about that kind of assault. They talk about like, you know, the assault coming from like, you know, um, um, Their charges, um, uh, um, ammunition, but like you know, it doesn't really relate to. They never talk about that as it relates to their boss, right? Because like you know, it 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 makes them uncomfortable as well. But that's the that's the real world. Yeah. And
2: oh, sorry, champ. I didn't mean to interrupt. But I just I get so excited talking about it because. You know he's going to become an aggressive That you. You know he stops his breathing at certain points, and, and, and then you catch him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, you, know, you know, oddly enough, man, like, you know, I've, I've said this a few times on other um, interviews. Like, you know, when I occasionally sit down with somebody and watch that fight, I mean, not with somebody, but, like, you know, by myself, you know, and I experienced, like, that moment in Tulsa, you know, I, you know, I feel sorry for the for, for time. Because, you know, I knew what I was was going through in that moment, because I've experienced that myself. You know, so it's it's, it's, it's strange, like, you know, how fighters can have this, like, you know, this um, disregard for somebody, dislike for somebody, but still have to, like, you know, have this level of empathy for somebody. Right.
2: I want to ask you about that moment, but not the moment after the third one. I want to talk about it. you knock him down twice.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and, and the ref kind of holds you back at that moment. What was yeah. that moment like, knowing that he was hurt and you just got to get him down one more time?
1: You know, um, for me, man, that, uh, that moment was my uh... – You baseball fan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with Chris Sure. You are? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: So, Chris Chambliss. But I'm not a Yankees fan, okay? I'm not going to stand on my podcast and say I'm a Yankees fan, but I know who you're talking about. Orioles.
1: Okay. Baltimore. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay. So, so <laughs> you, um, to ask your question, like, you know, um, for me, Looking back at it, you know, I wasn't, like, you know, experiencing or thinking about Chris Jambles at that point. But, like, you know, you know, no one expected, like, Chris to hit that home run, to clinch, like, you know, the Yankees um, heading back to the uh, World Series after 12 years. No one expected, like, you know, I went to knock out Tommy Morrison in the first round. You know, but, like, you know, so, so, um, I also can say this, that. Uh, at that second knockdown, uh, I was still, you know, how many hands you got? How many hands I have? Yep. Exactly right. So I was still leery. You know, you know, the uh was stuck in my heart, like, you know, uh, schooling, blah, blah, blah. He's going to hurt you at some point. Like, you know, that was here. Right. And if, if you watch that t- again, as I, as I, Approach Tommy for the third knockdown. My right hand is right here. Because there's no way in the world this guy's going to hit me with that left hook. Mm-hmm. No way in the goddamn world. It's planted here. And what Eddie and I had, um, had worked on was catching Tommy's left hook and countering with my left hook. Yep. Um, I wasn't as like a big Time um, to hooker in the uh, in the pros like you know as an amateur like you know my favorite shot was left hook downstairs upstairs so you know that 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 punch um that punch combination um that uh, ended the fight with Tommy man like you know that uh, that was my that was my Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman moment in Zaire mm-hmm. Just for that one. <laughs> I mean it wasn't like you know on that level but like you know to me it was right yeah champ. So
2: you win WBO championship and yeah. I ask a lot of people about the mountaintop moments. Yeah. Reach the mountaintop, but we got to come back down. My question for yeah. you is this, how long did that feeling last?
1: Oh uh, man, I, we talk talk a day, brother. I love, yeah. You, you see, you're getting deep now. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I don't know if, um, if uh, I've said this before, I probably have, like, you know, um, when, when um, I go back to the locker room after, you know, uh, the scene is announced that, you know, I'm, blah, 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 after I beat Tommy, um, go back to the locker room, and I sit down, and I didn't trust the Adulation, I was getting. And you know, I didn't trust you like Adulation. I didn't trust the, like, hey, Mike, great, blah, blah, blah. No, that's supposed to be like, you know, had I gotten knocked out like I did in my first pro fight? Am I, am, I, am I great or am I damn bummed? And I'll share some with you. I have to go back a little, like, a little bit. Um, when I was living in New York after I fought, um, after I got knocked out by Jerry Jones, um, I would visit uh, the sister of my mother-in-law, right? And I would go to her, like you know, uh, Manhattan job, blah blah blah. The guy who was there was a big, a, a big boxing fan. So we taught boxing. When I got after I got knocked out by Jerry um, Jones, you know, I took the train down to Manhattan because my like you know my uh, my aunt. And I saw the guy who I would, like, you know, spend hours talking boxing to. And this guy gave me a look of such... Um, ...resentment. No, he uh, no. gave me a look of, 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 of like, you know, supreme disdain, as if, like, you know, this fucking... That was like, you know, the subtext of what he said. to He didn't say to me, but, like, you know, his stare was... Do and like you know, um, that's one of the most painful experiences, like you know, I ever had to deal with, right? Uh, When I can watch that fight with Tommy, uh, I see love and appreciation from a few people, but. I I don't think I was I was uh, prepared to embrace it because you know if you dig down a couple of levels I didn't want to be there in the first place. Right. You know what I mean, you know, you know, if 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 um if um, like as an amateur as a as an elite amateur, you know, some of my best performances were like you know because I didn't want to be there. You know, I, I beat uh, this uh, five-time, uh, three-time Russian uh, world champion, Alexander Yabukin. I didn't want to be in Russia. No, before then, in, in, uh, at the, the 1985 or six uh, world championships, I didn't want to be there. But that pushed me in circumstances. You know? Mm-hmm. you know, And the only reason why I was there, because of my talent, and drive as a boxer, because I didn't want to deal with this beast, like, you know, uh, uh, called my father. Yep. I like, Yeah. Something would snap off. I'm like, either I'm being hurt or he's being hurt. And more likely, that's at that stage of my life, it's me.
2: Yeah. So I, the reason why I love the Tommy Morrison fight so much is... Because that was like that—that was the real you. There was no pomp. There was no circumstance. You were prepared, and everything came out in that moment. You juxtaposed that then with your next fight, the very first defense, and then this would be the last professional fight with Herbie Hyde. I mean, uh, Riddick Bowe had said this: this guy punches harder than anybody.
1: So, uh, Stan Hoffman and I I, uh, decided to um, go to London uh or like you know a welcome home because I was born in the UK a welcome home like you know um kind of right so we're there and um uh I'm giving like a few speeches at these athletic clubs blah 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 BBC you know television show blah 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 so at one event I think it was a BBC event yeah Lennox was there as well um it was like the sportsman of the year of bit, Like, you know, I wasn't cool in that way. I'm a guest. So I'm, I'm there, like, you know, giving a talk about boxing and my success with the or something. And over to my left, I see a young man um, in the back of the room leaning up against the ball, right? So, like, you know, so, you know, at that, you know, in my speech, I go over to him. I say, hey, brother, what's up, man? How you doing? What's your name? And, uh, oh, Kirby. Yeah, okay. Kirby, nice to meet you. So we shake hands and whatnot. He says, um, uh, he tells me that that he's a boxer as well. And I've never heard this guy, right? Uh, It turns out that he's the one who I was going to be having my first against, uh, my first defense against, right? (laughs) It gets funnier. So, uh, we go back to the States and uh, Stan calls me and says, "Uh, Mike, so we've... uh, um, set up your first defense in the UK against Herbie Hyde. Herbie Hyde beats me as a professional nine out of ten times. As an amateur, because like, you know, I had to get peaked. But, you know, as a pro, I, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't have a mechanism to deal with like, you know, the level of this punching power, which was completely surprising. You can cut that fuck out. You can cut it out. <laughs> uh, so, oh boy, so um, I, had a, I had a concussion. I was concussed um, in the sparring session, uh, maybe like five or six weeks before the fight. And the guy who gave me a concussion was named uh, King Epitan, something like that. He, he was from Africa, as Kirby was. And yeah. Think was King to anyway. So I go to the doctor in Colorado Springs. You a boxing uh, camp, and he says to me, uh, "What I would do, you know, he examines me and says, what I would do, I would go to London and at the last minute call the final and just have a vacation, something to that degree.'" And I said, "Okay, great, but like you know, uh, me and my macho silly ass." You know, um, I go to London, uh, and you know, I, I didn't want to jeopardize you know the money I was getting because it was it was it was it wasn't it wasn't Mike Tyson Mike Tyson substantial, but like a little substantial money, you know what you mean? You know, uh, so um, uh, the training camp went well. Um, although I was still conscious of like, you know, uh, getting further damage and, uh, the, the uh, the nut of the fight, uh, I knew when I felt Herbie's first, when I got a taste of Herbie's first shot, I knew I shouldn't be in this goddamn ring, man. Hmm. It's scary as hell. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to kukoradio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station, playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at Kukoradio.com. You have to like, you know, hate them to the point like, you know, where where you want to dismantle them physically and emotionally and blah, blah 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 because that's what that's what you know that's what you, that's what you come from. You come from that kind of deprivation, like you know, and you want to impart that kind of deprivation on the person that you're fighting. Yeah. Um yeah. so once again, like you know, I never I never uh, um I've spotted with the man field. A lot of like you know a-list boxes and and I've never experienced the love of reaction that I got after being hit uh, by her behind and I've spared Riddick both uh, as an amateur uh, an elite amateur and you know and he got some good hits on me but like I never experienced that little of like you know whoa and maybe that was due to the fact that I was damaged prior to sure. fighting. But, like, you know, once that, that's not an excuse. It's yeah, yeah. High, I fight 10 times. He beats me nine times. Mm-hmm. Or 9.99 times. Yeah. so
2: Champ, so um, this fight ends, it was your last fight. I mean, you collapsed, then you went into a coma.
1: Yeah. Like, from that. Yeah. 96 hours. 96 yeah. hours. Yeah. No, 96 hours, yeah. And, um, I don't know why I'm smiling, but like, you know, I mean, I mean, you smile because, I mean, you know, if I'm here talking to this about talking about this to you, I've survived it, man. It means you want others, yeah. Exactly, you know what I mean? You know, so like, uh, and like, you know, others will survive or have survived it. But um, uh, I smile because I remember, you know, um, I had recently um, uh, uh, converted to Islam. And I remember, um, man, I remember this uh, 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 when I got got released from the hospital. Um, There was this woman I was—I can't remember—you know, I'm gonna mention name. I was dating at that time, and she stood around, and she was uh, a media person. And we had a relationship, but like, you know, not like during the fight, blah, 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 but like, you know, we had a relationship. And, um, and, and she was still there. And Stan said to me, Stan Hoffman said to me like, you know, Michael, there's a man outside who's been here for like, the last four days. I don't know who he is, but like, you know, he, like, he was dressed in like, you know, Islamic uh, garb. And I go out. And this, uh, this man was a uh, a Muslim imam, and he would, he would he would pray for me outside the hospital. And when he saw me, we we teeth. Yeah. That that you know that's 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 the moments of that fight were ugly. What that man said. That man shared with me what sh- what Stan Hoffman shared with me. Uh, after he found out that I was okay, yeah. what he shared with me, what his wife shared with me after they found out like you know, that I died a bullet. What this woman shared with me, the writer, who I came to cover fight, what she I me. Mean, this I mean that's that's that's, that's humanity, man. Right. Uh, right. I can't. I, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, wish for any more, um, episodes of like, you know, that kind of love and, 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 uh, and compassion and and understanding. Champ. Um,
2: one of the things I always mention is that it's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. You spoke earlier. I mean, your true passion was writing and acting, which you got into. Um, I mean, there's so many different areas to kind of go down, but what's, um, in the movie Ali, I mean, you were assistant trainer to Will Smith. Um, what's What's one story from that that you can share? One, one experience.
1: Uh. Wow. <sighs> um. A couple of um. Well, this is not a story, but like, and I can tell you, like, you know, where those um interactions with these major minds, these major. I can tell what, I can tell you where these major, uh, influence of these major you know, intellectual minds led me. You know, um, I'm dear friends and I've been um, uh, asked to coach uh, this actress. Uh, she's this wonderful stage and film actor, uh, actress, uh, Ann Devere Smith. She does these one woman performances. Uh, uh, sometimes she plays as many as like 20, 20 characters in one, uh, uh, performance uh she has invited me uh to be on her um artistic team uh when she went up to uh the harvard um to do a play in uh in the summer of two thousand sixteen at uh at the a r t and like i mean those kind of experiences you know i i, I mean i think i think I've always subconsciously, uh, wanted to get like, you know, in, in the, into the arts, the acting, writing, you know, half of my books are more than half of my books I had in my library. Like when I was growing up with like films, Yeah, well, films about like, you know, and books about filmmakers and like, you know, prolific, uh, authors, you know, I just happens to like, you know, get lucky. Um, and, and, uh, and, uh, be persistent because you know no one's going to hand you anything right they hand you something at first but like you know you have to you have to like you know secure that landscape you're on
2: yeah champ what question And this one i always ask and it always i wouldn't say stumps but always makes my guests pause but what question should i be asking that that i just haven't asked yet
1: you nailed all the um or the primary um subjects of, of uh of um you know okay. to me, you know well let me ask one more question champ yeah um
2: a lot of times i think it's might be in the athletic mm. but a lot of uh, uh athletes will write letters to their younger selves mm. and I always find those to be pretty fascinating um yeah. like reading re- reading neon Dion sanders Letter to yeah. himself, right? Tell him how great he's going to be and, and what's going right. to happen. One, one question is: What would you go back and tell that ten-year-old kid?
1: What I would go back and tell that ten-year-old kid is the uh, same thing, the same um, kind of um, advice, uh, if uh, if you will, um, that I showed my son, who's seventeen. Um seek out mentors who understand you uh and study your craft like a maniac um, and be prepared to and be prepared to fail Love that's, it. yeah i mean that's that's basically like you know i'm uh you know, I do these like, you know, conferences from time to time and like, you know, my uh parting word to these people, like, you know, like, don't be don't be afraid of failure. You know, perfection is bullshit. Mm-hmm. No one no one is perfect. You know, uh, we can improve, but perfection, <clears throat> no one's perfect. Every Michael Jordan, like, you know, there'll be like you know, a better Michael Jordan in five years or twenty years or thirty years, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know Reggie Jackson. He'll be a better Reggie Jackson, like he'll you know, forty years. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. No one will be. <laughs> no, no, that's where the coin stops, man. The buck stops at Muhammad. In my estimation, you look at Muhammad Ali in his prime as an athlete. Oh my God! And the yeah. and the, uh, the burdens he was carrying. Uh-huh. Jesus, nah, no one's doing that, man. Yeah, no one's doing that. You know. Not to, like, you know, uh, go off on a rant about Muhammad, but, like, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Champ, thank you so much, man, for joining us. We're going to put the uh, uh, your website in there as well and really highly recommend everybody watch Losers, that docu-series. But uh, thank you so much, Coach,
1: uh, for, for the time. Absolutely. All right. Thank you.
0: for listening to mental toughness with dr rob bell to find out more about dr rob visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on twitter at dr rob bell and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of mental toughness as soon as it's available thanks for listening and we'll see you next time